Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, I am your co-host, Dallas Montague, and it's so great to be here in the studio again today. We had some technical difficulties in the beginning, but I'm so excited to talk today to Jason Jason, thank you for being here today. How are you? I'm fantastic, thank you, and I'm I'm honored that you have us on today. Uh, Thank you for that. Absolutely. And Jason, you are the president and founder of A Christian College. Tell me a little bit more about that, if you can. Sure. Uh, I am the president and founder of the International College for Christian Studies. We are a fairly new school. We actually uh, got started in June of 2019 and then launched our first classes in January of 2020. So really pretty new to the academic world. Now, having said that, we have been building the infrastructure to launch this college for about six years now, even though we didn't actually launch until January of 2020. So our focus is ministry and training people to be able to share the gospel in all areas of the world, And uh, we are a conservative, evangelical, non-denominational, and interdenominational Bible college. Wow. All right. And your your title here is Disciples Making Disciples Who Make Disciples. That is correct. That is correct. Our focus is to teach people to be disciples. And I think that the emphasis on ministry in a lot of places is more focused on making converts. And our emphasis is that We want a convert to become a disciple following the Great Commission, which means, of course, going out and making disciples of all nations. But to truly be a disciple, it is our belief that those individuals should be stepping up into leadership positions of some way, shape, or form where they're going out and intensely and, you know, every day sharing ministry, even whether it's not a vocational issue or they're, they're not doing it on a full-time basis, uh, it should be something that they are intentional about every day of their lives. So that is what our focus is, is disciples making disciples who make disciples. Great. Well, again, Jason, I'm so glad to have you here today. And if I can have you share a little bit more about yourself, maybe your background of studies and also just some personal stuff, that we can get to know you a little bit better, and then we'll go back to the college. Absolutely. So... I was uh, 40 years old when I began to kind of have a little bit of a midlife crisis, and uh, I wasn't really sure at that point what God wanted me to do with my life. I'd spent some time in the military, and my background was actually law enforcement from a vocational standpoint. And Mm. I was looking at what it was God really wanted me to do with my life. And I had been 
hearing a calling to go to seminary for a number of years, and to be quite honest, I, I kind of ignored it because it wasn't the direction that I wanted to go. And at, at one point, I finally realized that God, is <laughs> he's got a plan. And with a lot of things I was doing, I was involved in multiple ministries, and uh, with a lot of things I was doing, I was kind of seeking for God's help with the things I had in mind, the activities I was doing and the plans I had created. And one day I realized that it wasn't about the plans I created. It's about being a part of the plans that God created. And so I started really seeking and trying to figure out what he wanted me to do with my life. Uh, And that was when I, I really felt the strong calling to actually go to seminary. So I enrolled in seminary, and with you know all the precursors and everything that, that go along with that, had to be admitted, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, and I ended up enrolling at Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. So I went to seminary, and during that time, because I was still working full-time and also going to school, also had a family, also had a part-time job, it took me a little bit longer to get through the, the seminary program for the Master of Divinity than I initially planned. But about seven years ago or so, I, I learned in one of my classes and, and doing some further research with it, that approximately 80% of ministers, whether that be preaching pastors or missionaries uh, or other people involved in ministry throughout the world, on a voluntary basis or who are paid professionals, whether part-time or full-time, about 80% have no formal theological or ministerial training or education. And so what I started looking at and, and believed that God was actually pointing me in this direction is what can we do to help these individuals to try to get that training and education? And now I, I want to point out that I'm talking about formal academic education is what a lot of a lot of these individuals don't have. And when we're sitting in the United States, and of course I know you're actually overseas on a mission right now, but when we're sitting in the United States and, and people talk about 80% of pastors around the world don't have any formal theological education, it it seems like a very high number because so many here in the United States they have that. They they have access to the schools, and quite frankly, uh, more Americans are able to afford going to to school for uh, up to a bachelor's degree, seminary, whatever uh, that they need to do. But around the world, a lot of places are li- or people are working and living in places where the average monthly income might be four hundred to eight hundred dollars. And when you look at the cost of tuition. Tuition in a lot of schools is going to run you anywhere from $400 to $500 per semester hour. And then you've got all your other expenses that, that mm. come on top of that. So what I learned is that the, the issue wasn't so much having access to the academic programs because so many people have access to the Internet today in, in almost every country. But the, the issue was having access to the money to be able to pay for the programs. So I started looking at how can we help that? How can we provide this, uh, this need to fill this gap? And so one of the things I, I started considering was trying to find a school that would be willing to set up a, 
program that we could essentially help fund or provide scholarships for individuals that needed money, like a guaranteed grant program for those in financial need. I talked to a few schools, and uh, there were a lot of people who were excited about the idea, but nothing ever really came to fruition for that. And because I have a background also in, in teaching at the university level and graduate programs with another school, a secular school, uh, and then also a, a, a different secular college, I, I had a background in creating uh, all of the criteria for accreditation, uh, in, in uh, creating academic standards, uh, designing curriculum, and, and all of that. And I started looking at what I might be able to put together to help these pastors and missionaries around the world so that we could start a program that would eventually be able to have that 100% guaranteed financial needs grant for those who need it anywhere in the world. So that's what I started looking at. And again, every time that I started trying to figure out how we were going to make this happen, God just absolutely opened up doors. And so the, the concept for the International, College, uh, uh, the International College for Christian Studies uh, came to be, and I absolutely believe that this was uh, directly guided by God to do this. So as we've moved forward over the years, designing the learning management system, looking at all the accreditation standards and, and building the program, again, doors have opened up and we were able to launch this year, January of, of 2020. So what that does is it puts us on track for the possibility of being able to apply for accreditation in January of 2022. Uh, now, Dallas, are you familiar with the accreditation process and, and what it takes to become accredited? I'm not exactly sure, and I'm sure some of our listeners aren't either. If you want to go ahead and break that down a little bit more. Absolutely. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. People around the world have been doing amazing work in community building. In spite of many challenges, or perhaps because of these challenges, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are working to make the world a better place. In Dr. Rev. Ann Hay Egan's new book, Building Communities of Hope, she shares many powerful testimonies of community builders that have transformed the world. Find this book on Amazon today. This year's best conference for men to boost confidence, get inspired, and do great things. Men have so many responsibilities and stresses that they often feel weighed down by the world. The Manhole Virtual Men's Conference, November 21st, is part of a powerful movement to lift men inspire in Christ, and encourage to be all fully armored and ready for battle. Get your $16 tickets today at virtualmensconference.net. So, you know, it's interesting that in, in most fields, if you look at somebody who's going to be a, a plumber or a teacher or an electrician mm -hmm. or anything else, they have standards in place before they allow somebody to actually operate within the context of whatever their profession is. So if I want to be a plumber, for example, I have to go get the training and education to do that. I have to maybe take some exams, and then eventually they'll give me a license to do that at whatever level uh, I am uh, is appropriate for what I'm trying to do. 
That's when I can operate as a plumber is once I have that actual license. Accreditation is quite a bit different where the accreditation agencies require you to actually operate for a minimum of two years before you are allowed to apply for accreditation. However, wow. the catch is you have to operate under the accreditation standards. So in order to do that, you've got to have the appropriately qualified faculty members. And we have faculty members that are all volunteers right now uh, because we're not accredited yet. And I'll, I can talk about that in, in, in a few minutes. We have volunteer faculty members who have PhDs, who have master's, in various, uh, master's degrees in various disciplines, uh, maybe doctors of ministry or masters of divinity or masters of theology. And they are right now volunteers cheering their time so that as we build towards accreditation, we're able to actually operate as a school underneath those accreditation standards. We still have to have the same quality of you know, online digital library, for example. We've got to have the same quality of an, an online learning management system. And all of these things are very expensive to operate. To go through a college, that is not accredited yet, but yet they have the same academic standards and the rigorous requirements of an accredited college. So mm -hmm. our solution to that is that we are offering free tuition and that's kind of the promotion that we have right now up until December 31st of 2021. The reason for that is and it, it may or may not be extended depending on what the board wants to do, but that's 14 months from, you know, roughly 14 months from the date of this interview. So the, the rest of this year and then all of next year, because we'll be applying for the accreditation in January of 2022. Now, having said that, some people get uh, confused when we say there's free tuition, because tuition uh, is, is the primary cost for the class itself. But there are other costs associated with attending college. There is, for example, a technology fee at most schools. And so our technology fee is $199 per semester. And mm -hmm. we have a one-time $75 application fee. As you can probably imagine, as we've got students enrolling in the program, we have to set up accounts for them. You know, we've got to pay somebody to do all of these uh, things that, that just take time to set up and arrange and enroll the students in classes, et cetera. So we, we have to pay somebody to do that. We charge a $75 application fee. And then the next thing is the $199 uh, technology fee per semester is because, and that semester, by the way, lasts for 16 weeks. So it's, it's roughly four months. So, you know, essentially $50 per month. And what that does is it takes care of the cost that we have associated with running the learning management system, the online digital library, the student information system, all of these things that cost quite a bit of money and we have to have up and running in order to meet the accreditation standards. So when we apply, <clears throat> we have all these in place and we have actually been using them as required. So that's why we, we have those associated costs. Wow, I have a few questions real quick. That sounds really, really good. Um, sure. With classes, so currently with the students that you have enrolled now, will you backdate their accreditation after you're accredited or what does that look like? So hopefully we will be accredited before they graduate. They and graduate. Okay, one of okay. the challenges that you have is, is that if you do have somebody who graduates before you receive accreditation, 
then that is up to the hiring individual if they will recognize or, or company if they will recognize that accreditation. Typically, when somebody looks at a degree, for example, they, they don't go look and, and see that somebody graduated in 2021 and the degree program wasn't accredited until 2022, for example. Typically, that's not the case. However, uh, we do have some plans in place that we're talking to a couple of other universities who will accept the credit from our school so that when they, uh, you know, if, if they are graduating before we are able to actually become accredited, then that credit will transfer to a school that is already accredited, which they will then be able to send back to us, take one more class and receive a degree that is accredited after that time frame. What, are, what we're gonna recommend to people though, is that if they are nearing finishing their, their courses and we've got accreditation coming up you know, pretty closely thereafter, a recommendation is going to be at that time that they hold off finishing that last class. So when we give them their diploma, it's actually after the point in which we've been accredited. And to understand all of this, it's online-based. Right now, we are 100% online, so you can take classes from anywhere in the world. However, okay. once we get accredited and we're able to take the Title IV funding, which is the, the funding that comes from the federal government, for example, uh, student loans, grants, scholarships, all of that, and we're able to accept things like GI Bill, uh, once we're accredited and, and we're able to take all those other sources of funding, that's when uh, we'll able to actually generate more income for the school. And our plan at that point is to establish a residential campus that will be located in the San Antonio, Texas area. And we will have uh, our programs will be both residential as well as online. Until we get to that point, however, our program is 100% online. Okay, great. And with the students, so um, are the classes individual or are they with something that you would watch? at your own pace, or is it something that you're in a group class online, something like this? So we do have a, a few classes that are set up as a self-paced class. However, for the majority of the classes, it's going to be on a semester-based system, just like most colleges and universities. So for example, our next semester starts on January 18th of 2021. And at that point, when if we have students sign up for a particular class, let's say, uh, uh, you know, Theology 101, for example, then however many students are in that class, if we have 25 students in that class, then they will be pretty much in lockstep for that 16 weeks going through the curriculum together. And that's important because we want to have the students to be able to interact with each other through discussion forums, uh, the, the boards that they'll have writing their essays and, and reading each other's comments and then responding to comments. It gives them class interaction. So as far as uh, attending a lecture together, we do have some classes where the professor will have a live lecture that they're presenting and the students will be able to attend those lectures at whatever time that may be. However, they will also be recorded. So if we have people in other parts of the world or quite frankly, if their job doesn't allow them to attend the lecture at that time, they'll be able to watch that uh, a recorded video of the exact same lecture at a later point in time during the week or you know whenever that may be. So the the ideal way to do it is to have the group of students that are in the same semester, the same module studying the same uh, you know whatever that that textbook is or that 
that lesson is during that week. And so that way they're able to better coordinate with each other, communicating and, uh, and, and building and growing, fellowshipping with the rest of the class as they move towards, uh, you know, through the class. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a great thing. We think it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jason, do you plan on taking this into other languages as well or just strictly English as you progress? That is a great question. And right now, by necessity, we have to do it only in English. However, mm-hmm. we do have a, a couple of professors right now who they're, uh, they are uh, uh, from a different country originally, and so na- uh, English is not their first language. And we are already talking about being able to take some of our classes and we won't be able to do it with all of them at this point, but we're already talking about some of the classes and translating those into their na- their native languages. Now, the difficulty comes from the textbooks that we're using because the textbooks, for the most part, are written in English. Uh, as we move on, however, uh, we do want to have classes that we're able to provide in other languages. Now, for example, uh, the one of the key classes that we'll focus on trying to translate to other languages at first is going to be our our, uh, curriculum that is within the missionary context because we know that one of the best ways to send missionaries to other countries is to immerse them in the language that they're going to be working in and or being able to bring people from that country who speak whatever language that might be, for example, where you are, you know, Portuguese, uh, to bring people to the the core structure that we have and by then we would probably have something that's residential and teach the classes from that language so that they can go back and actually serve in the field using whatever language it is that they're going you know from that country so that is the plan however our biggest challenge is the vast majority of our textbooks right now are in english and getting those translated into other languages is a bit more difficult Mm-hmm. I can totally understand that. And like you said, immersing yourself in the language of the culture you're going to. I did not do that. And I didn't speak hardly any Portuguese when I came to Brazil. I did some missions before in Asia, and it did not prepare me at all language-wise to come to Brazil. And so I think that's a great point that you're making there. Is that would be I would love that. You know, if this was two years ago or three years ago, if I could have done this, I would have totally taken that opportunity. Well, and I greatly appreciate that feedback. I, I think that, you know, when, when we go into a place and we want to be able to, to share the gospel, being able to do that without having a translator is just much easier. And I think there probably is some more credibility with what we're doing if we've actually been able to speak that language as well. And I think that the more we can get immersed in other, uh, in, in other cultures and in other languages, uh, the better we are able to make disciples of all nations. So that's that's part of where we want to be. And I do want to ask, you started this in 2020, in the beginning of coronavirus season. And so how did this play into the beginning of the school? <laughs> great, great question. I, I'll tell you that I, I don't understand God's plan. I wish I did. Uh, I <laughs> absolutely have full faith and confidence that God is in control. He knows what he's doing. Uh, but I do have to admit that I was uh, a little taken aback when we did our soft launch in January of 2020. In other words, at that point in time, we opened it up, we did enroll uh, a few students so that we would uh, 
be able to test out the curriculum and, and test out the learning management system and all of that. Our goal was to do our, what I'm going to refer to as our hard launch for the fall of 2020, so August of 2020. I spent a lot of time over the last five years or so building our learning management system and, and making sure that we had the right type of online digital library to meet accreditation standards and you know, doing a lot of work to prepare us to be really one of the premier schools that is able to do what we're doing from an online context. And I think that uh, at the time I was building this and we were ready to go, in January of 2020, although we were still testing everything out, I think based on the program that we'd established, and it, it wasn't just me, it was a team effort. We have other people that are working on this as well. I think that we had an incredible program that very few other schools could touch. Well, when coronavirus hit and a lot of schools began doing online education, uh, you know, they, <laughs> a lot of them had a lot of money that they were able to dump into building their programs. And they were, very, uh, they were able to very quickly build online programs that are, you know, a lot of them are really good. And I like to still think that ours is better because it's personal. <laughs> and, and I know the, the sweat, uh, sweat, blood, and tears and all everything that's gone into it. So I, I still think that we are, uh, we are at the top of the schools that are offering online education. However, we're no longer uh, one of the few that has the, the programs that are as good as they are online. Now, that being said, I think that the fact that we are a conservative, evangelical, non-denominational, and interdenominational school, that gives us an edge because the vast majority of schools that I'm talking about who were able to build their online programs, they're secular schools. And again, they just had some of them had millions of dollars to immediately dump into building programs where uh, whereas over the last five years, uh, I've been, for the most part, self-funding this with, you know, uh, my own my own money and sweat equity. So it, a vast difference in, in the capabilities very quickly, you know, being able to, to, to build the programs. Uh, I do still think we have an edge because of what we are teaching and because of what we're all about. And the focus for us, and I, I like to tell people that we are a ministry first. And that is why, number one, right now we have free tuition, which is also because, of course, we're not accredited. So it's difficult to have people pay for a program that is not yet accredited, even though we're on track to, to, to do that within the near future. But the other thing is we will always have, even when we're fully accredited and we're charging our full tuition rates, we're always going to have what I mentioned before, that 100% guaranteed student grant program. So if we have a student that comes to us from anywhere in the world and they basically say, I really like your program, I wanna get my college degree in Christian ministries or Christian studies or, or one of the other programs that we have, I, I really wanna do this and the only thing that is stopping me truly is being able to afford it. We're gonna simply ask them, what is it that you need? And if they can pay for half of the program, then we will grant them the other half. If they can pay for 25%, we'll grant them 75. And if they can't pay for any of it, then we'll grant them 100% of their tuition that's required. Now, as of right now, we're still going to have to charge for the technology fee 
and they're still, of course, going to have to buy their own books and, and other things that they need. However, uh, we're working on some, uh, some scholarship programs that we'll be able to, to set aside, hopefully by that time, that will enable individuals who truly have no money and can't even afford to be able to pay for their technology fees, that we would be able to cover that as well. Right now, as we're building towards that, again, we do have to charge the technology fee and we, they do have to buy their own books. And we do, by the way, have a one-time $75 application fee. I'm not sure if I mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes. but those, are the, those are the main things. And then, you know, if they, if they got to the entire program, for example, uh, at the end, the only other thing they would have to pay for is a, a one-time $50 graduation fee. And that's because, you know, we're going to provide them a very nice certificate that they're individually made. And, uh, and those are they're not cheap. Those are, those are expensive mm-hmm. to make as well. So I, I think that we are in line with most other, uh, you know, colleges. Now they may be accredited, but the costs are going to be the same. Uh, it's interesting that the other day I had a phone call from a young lady who is taking classes at another Bible college. And she, I won't say the name of the school, but uh, she, she was talking about possibly transferring to our school. She'd already looked at our website. She downloaded our catalog. She said that she really liked our classes and that she liked our program better than the other Bible college that she's attending right now. The problem she had, however, was that we're charging $199 per semester. So for four months, we're charging that technology fee. And she said that at the school she's at right now, there is no technology fee. And so she didn't think it was fair that we're charging a technology fee. And when she told me the name of the school, I I was already familiar with them, but I double checked. I happened to be online and that school is not accredited. Now they claim to be accredited and it's unfortunate that there are a lot of schools, especially in Christian circles, that they use the word accredited but they're not actually accredited by a legitimate agency that is recognized by the U.S. Department of Education or the Council on Higher Learning and Education Accreditation. So if they're not recognized by those two organizations, they are not legitimately accredited. And what happens is we've got you know, some organizations that have started themselves, have gotten a small group of, of schools together, and they have issued accreditation certificates and they probably pay a fee, you know, every year to, to have that, but they're not recognized by anybody else. And it's a shame that we're using the word accreditation, uh, but you may have heard the phrase diploma mill, and that's what those are. We are not interested in doing that. The accreditation we're pursuing is legitimate. It's recognized. And, you know, for example, if somebody were to graduate from our school, once we are accredited with the agency we're seeking, which I'm I'm not even allowed to talk about that right now, which agency it is. That's how serious that, that they take this. Um, but once they are, uh, once they graduate, they'll be able to, for example, get commissioned into the United States military or take a job that requires a degree at any state government within the United States and, you know, recognized again in, in other countries as well. So accreditation is a, is a pretty serious issue. And in fact, if a school is advertising that they're accredited and it's by one of these organizations that's not legitimately recognized and then they apply for legitimate accreditation the legitimate organization won't even talk to them because they've been falsely advertising in in the eyes of the law so that uh 
that, that changes things for a lot wow. of people. So, so this mm-hmm. uh, other school that this lady was going to, it was not legitimately accredited. And when I told her what we were trying to do and tried to explain that to her, uh, that wasn't even a concern for her. And so I asked her how much she was paying for tuition, and she was paying $500 per semester hour for tuition. Now, hmm. that's for three-semester hour class, that's $1,500 for three-semester-hour class. She was a full-time student, which is, depending on where you go, is either 12 or 15 hours. So she was taking 12 hours for four, so four classes at this school. She was paying $6,000 for tuition every semester, every four months at this school, but they didn't charge her a technology. So I tried to explain to her that we are not charging tuition right now. Our tuition is free, and that's why we have to charge a technology fee of $199. And when I got to the math and said, you realize you're paying $5,800 per semester more than what you would pay here, she was still stuck on the fact that we're advertising free tuition and we're still charging a 199 technology fee. And she couldn't get past that part. And so she's not going to be joining our student ranks, which to me, I, I, I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. From hearing it from this perspective, I'm like, wow, that, you know, that's common math, common sense right there that obviously the other is better. So yeah, I get it. I have a few other questions here. What about politics? So the non-denominational type of school that you are, how does that fit into the politics and the current election that just happened? That's a great question. Uh, you know, one of the things that I try to stay away from is taking sides with elections because mm-hmm. from a personal standpoint, and by the way, I should say that ICCS, International College for Christian Studies, is a 501c3 nonprofit. So we are required by law to stay away from, uh, you know, taking political sides, number one. But the other thing is that on both sides of the aisle, uh, within the United States at least, you know, you've got Democrats who are Christians, you've got Republicans who are Christians. And I think that, you know, we have a lot of hate and vitriol that goes out, and we often forget about the love that we're supposed to be sharing. Uh, now, there are you know, issues in both sides of the political aisle that I think are not biblical. And there are issues that I think are clearly biblical. And my position on that, and and this is the position of the school, is that if I were to go out, for example, and, and if I were talking from a school perspective that I believe that our students should vote, we should be voting on issues that are biblical issues and taking the biblical position on it. So whether that individual that you're voting for is a Democrat, independent, Republican, we should be looking at the individual, not from the party platform. Um, you know, um, let me rephrase that, not from the party name. Uh, depending on where you look at history, sometimes party platforms are more pro-biblical or more anti-biblical. And from a, you know, again, from a political standpoint, as a 501c3 nonprofit, we can't get really into that debate other than saying and and stressing, uh, and and I can't stress it enough, that whenever we get involved in the political process as individuals, as Christians, we should always take the biblical position, and that's what we should be voting for. And, you know, some of those are going to be on on the, the hot political topics of the day, and that's fine. It's perfectly fine 
to look at that and say, look, I'm not going to vote Republican or I'm not going to vote Democratic or I'm not going to vote independent or green. I'm going to vote biblically. And as long as we're taking that biblical position, I think we'll be able to stand in front of God and say, I did this to serve you. Because I think that a lot of people are going to be surprised later on when whichever position they went, and I won't go into, you know, which side's doing what, Mm -hmm. but I think that a lot of people are going to be surprised when they stand in front of God later on. And he says, you know, you voted for such and such a person, but yet one of their, you know, preeminent platforms is completely contrary to what I've told you, what I've commanded you in the Bible. And so how do you defend that? And they will stand there with no defense. And if we can't stand before God and defend what we do every day in, in our lives in support of the biblical position and in support of Jesus Christ, then we're not really truly following Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do here at the schools is, is be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. And we recently had a podcast a week or two or a month ago about politics and voting biblically. I think this fits perfectly with that episode as well. So thank you for mentioning that. And I do want to ask, how can our listeners find you, Jason? How can they find the the website to the school? Can you give us that information? Sure. The website is www.iccs online.net. So the name of the school, again, is International College for Christian Studies. So simply iccsonline.net. You can also find us on Facebook, and you can find a link to our Facebook from our website. All of the information about our school is on the website. We have our catalog there. We have a list of faculty members there. We have our programs that are there, which we have two main programs right now. Uh, Christian studies and Christian ministry. The Christian studies is more for individuals who are not going into ordained ministry context, but they are interested in being leaders in the Christian uh, church, the worldwide church in some capacity, you know, some way, shape, or form. And then the Christian ministry track is for those who are interested in going into an ordained context, uh, context in some way, shape, or form, whether paid or volunteer, part-time, full-time, doesn't matter. Uh, but the uh, you know some of the classes are going to be the same, but of course there's a there's a uh, a split between what they'll need as an ordained minister versus a non-ordained uh, individual. So those are the two main programs we have right now. And then later on, once we're accredited, we'll add more programs that are all theologically oriented. However, as we are seeking accreditation, uh, I think that keeping it to the two programs that kind of covered most people right now is our is our best path forward until we're accredited and then we can open it up. I think it'll be a lot easier for us to be able to get accredited with just two programs than to throw 10 programs for them to review at the same time. And uh, it just gives them, uh, you know, the accrediting agency more to look at and more to to find issues with or challenges with or things that we might have to fix versus us being able to take the effort to concentrate on two programs to make sure mm-hmm. we are meeting all the requirements uh, and, and then moving forward later on with the other programs yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. That makes sense to do it that way. All right, Jason, well, thank you again for being a part of the show today, and thank you for your service as well, serving in the military. Absolutely. Thank you for your support. I'm honored to do that. Yeah. 
And if I can have you in the podcast with a prayer, that would be great as well. I would be honored to do so. Thank you. Father God, thank you for the opportunities that you place before us every day. Thank you for the ability to be able to be on a podcast where we can have Christians all around the world who are listening to what we're talking about. And in addition to the Christians, Lord, we have the ability to reach people who may not be Christians, who may have never even heard the name Jesus Christ before. And so we thank you for that, Lord, and we we ask that you bless this podcast and put it in the way of people who need to hear it, Lord. Put it right in their path so that they listen to what you're talking about and what you want to share with them, Lord, so that it builds your mission and your kingdom around the world. And I'm not talking about just this episode, Lord. I'm talking about this this entire podcast every time that this is put on the airwaves, Lord, on the computer, uh, wherever it's distributed, Lord. We ask that you you bless the individuals who are listening and that you open up their eyes and their hearts and their minds to recognize what their role is within your kingdom so that they can step out and not only just listen to what's going on, but be a part of what's going on. So they can be part of your program going forward and making sure that they are building your kingdom throughout the entire world, Lord. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. With your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.